it's Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And then we read 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. It says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, the obedience of Christ. In the last few weeks, the Lord has just put all these things that we can use. We know the armor of God. We've read and we studied that. We talked about all that. But there's other things that in the Scripture and that God has given us the power to use and, um, to defeat the wiles of Satan, to go after these things, the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, our faith, the authority of Jesus, God's grace, the truth of the gospel, our salvation, the Holy Spirit, the spiritual gifts, prayer, worship, power of the declared word, and I, I can go on and on, unity, love for one another, each other. These, we're all weapons that we can stand on, we can use in faith to walk a victorious life. I want to look at a little bit differently this week, but how do I say this? It, this is, it's kind of a different aspect of spiritual warfare because it relies a little bit on us, Right? You know, Jesus died on the cross, the blood, that covered, it took care of all that, right? His, the name above all names, it's because of what Jesus did, we have victory, yes. right? This, is, this switches just a little bit into our part because we can influence this a little. Um, it says in, back in um, 2 Corinthians verse 5, it says, it gives us this idea of, it says, casting down arguments, or the King James says, imaginations, um, it's, it's really, we can, this is how we can defeat the wiles of the devil. When you look at this passage we just read in, in verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That was from the New King James Version. I'm going to read it from the ESV because I think it helps us a little bit. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. See, it, it, it took this little, like, hey, there's a part that I need to play. Right? We'll get to that a little bit. It's not something big, fancy formula, but there's a little bit of part that we can play to help this whole si situation. This idea of casting down arguments or imaginations is really this ideology of grabbing something and then just throwing it to destroy it. It just, you, you take this argument that's up here, right? And, and we know that this is all, this stuff is working in our mind because it talks about the knowledge of Christ. It's all in our head. It's all affected in our mind. But we take those thoughts, those things, and we can take them captive and we can throw them down and destroy them. We can get rid of those things. The first time we see this, the actual, um, this casting down is actually in the book of Exodus. It's when Moses, and, when Moses and Aaron went up to Pharaoh 
I'll just read the scripture. It'll be easier because I don't want to have to paraphrase it. <laughs> Exodus 7 verse 10 says, So Moses and Aaron went up to Pharaoh, and they did so just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before the servants, and it became a serpent. That's the first time in scripture we see that whole idea that, of casting down. He took the rod, the thing that was in his hand, and he threw it on the ground. You know, it's really, it's kind of a picture that can be a little maybe weird because it turned into a snake, right? But here's what I want to tell you about that snake. What did that snake do? It ate all the other ones <laughs> that, that the magicians brought out, that the world, the world system brought all these other things that were emulating something that God had said, and it destroyed them. Isn't that what trying to renew our mind, trying to reorganize our thoughts to say, you know what? The world system, the lies that I may have believed or that were spoken to me, I don't have to believe them anymore. I can take those things and throw them on the ground and be done with this. We need to cast down these arguments, these mindsets, these thoughts, these doubts. We need to cast down our fears we need to cast down those negative things that were spoken over us that we actually believed. We need to cast down those things that go against God's word. We need to stop arguing with the word of God and believe what it says. This is the battle we all face. It's a battle in the mind. Excuse me a second. Singing too loud today. I want to take a look at a couple of things that I believe that the evil one lies to us about, that people have grabbed a hold of. He uses arguments like, are you sure of your salvation? We're going to look into that in depth today, but he questions our identity. We'll probably maybe venture into that in a few weeks. Actually, we've talked a lot about our identity in Christ over the last months, but he questions our talents. Did are you really the son of God? That's what he said to Jesus, our identity. How do we do this? How do we battle against these guys? How do we um, fight off? And how, how do we, and I say we because we have part to play. Now, I understand that grace is provided. You're going to have to turn me down. I'm way too hot. Or shut the monitors off is probably what's happening. How do we do this? How do we battle against the lies? How do we fight against it? Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, this is a great way to do this. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's through this, trans what we call the transformation of the mind. But I can tell you that, but what does it look like? What, how do you transform your mind? What do you do with it? How do you actually apply what Paul is telling us here? How do we transform our mind? I've got a couple keys for you. Um, number one, pray. Pray for God to transform your mind. Philippians 4, 8, right? I caught myself the other day, and I had to go back to this, and actually I read it to my boss. <laughs> We were grumbling about something at work, and I said, oh, hey, I got a scripture for us. Let's talk about this. 
Philippians 4, verses 6 through 8 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then he says, he goes on to say this, because this is where I, I actually started with him, but this is where I got trapped sometimes. Finally, brethren, he says, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You want to renew your mind? Meditate on those things that are of good report, right? Meditate on the, the who has God called you to be. Meditate on, we can go on and on and on, but meditate on those good things. I mean, Vern shared this morning, we don't want to look at anybody in a downtrodden way. We want to lift everybody, but our job is to elevate everyone, right? Point number two, fill your mind with the word of God, Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not be part from your, depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it night and day that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. <coughs> For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. We, we can renew our mind by filling our mind with the word of God, yes. by reading the Bible, by reading scripture. Right? If you're not good at reading, turn the audio Bible on and listen to it. <laughs> it's the same thing. works that way too. <clears throat> Number three, we can meditate on Scripture throughout the day. Psalms 1 verse 2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. You know, When God puts something in your heart, a lot of times this is how I decide what God wants me to preach on is what's in my head all day long. What, what verse is he going over and over and over and over and over and over in my mind? And I'm going to share one of them today. That's how we got to where we are. <laughs> Remember I said we were going to talk about the lies that Satan can use against us. I want to concentrate on this one about salvation. We, we need to have this in our head. We need to have this solidified in every core of our being, um, not just for our purposes but for others. And the question I've heard is, am I really saved? Is what the Word of God said about me actually true? I don't, I don't know if I believe that. Right? These are people that have, we believe have walked this out. Um, and this is the scripture that God gave to me this week, um, and I just couldn't put it away. Titus 2.11. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. I mean, think about that. Just that one little sentence that we just read. The grace of God, right? The, 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 the unmerited favor of God that brings salvation, that grace is what brings us into this place of salvation, has appeared to everyone. It doesn't say some. It doesn't say just people of this color or that color. Or It doesn't say that. It says all men and women are included in that. It's the grace of God that brings salvation. Grace brings salvation. You don't, here's the thing about something that's brought to you. Vern, if I bring this note stand to you, right, and I bring this over to you, you know what? You don't have to go get it because I brought it to you. Right? You, you, you can't work hard enough to get this. The, the grace of God, his 
Favor towards us brings salvation. It comes to you, and you have an opportunity to receive it. It's appeared to all. There is a one gospel of grace for all men. God doesn't have a gospel of grace for some and a gospel of law or self-justification for others. All men find salvation by the grace of God. Right? So if you're one of them people that's struggling with this question, or this will help you minister this question to someone, um, am I saved? I don't know. Right? Well, if, the, if it's God's grace that brings it to you, you don't have to do anything to earn it. You just need to receive it and say, yes, I want this, Lord. This is for me. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I love studying grace. I actually went to Karis Bible College, which is actually the Greek word for grace. <laughs> There's many of us in here that have been there. When I was at college, I, um, when I, my first like four months there, I just was like, okay, can they please stop talking about grace? I'm sick of listening to this message on grace, this preacher on grace, eight times in one week, and then eight times the week after that, and then eight times the week after that. And I really believe that I had this understanding of grace. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I was way off. I, I wasn't way off, but I was we actually can grow in that understanding of what it actually means. God has brought me so much more revelation four years after years after I graduated than I have now. I mean, I have now that I did back then when I really thought that I knew what I was talking about. It's grace. It's favor. It's a gift. This salvation is a gift. It's not sort of the, I'm sorry, excuse me, Yes, it's a gift. It's free, right? You don't have to go buy your Christmas presents or earn your Christmas presents. You might have to earn them if you're going to give them to your children. But as a gift, if, if, if someone's giving you a gift, you can't do anything to get it. It's free. A, a true gift is free. If you have to earn it, it's not free. It's not of our own works. We can't do anything to muster this up. This whole idea of this concept of salvation by grace through faith, right? We can't do anything to muster this up. All we have to do is believe it, right? And if you tell me that believing is a lot of work, it's not. It's saying, I believe. (laughs) We'll get there. This whole gift, this whole gift of salvation that God has brought to how many people? To all men, right? Right? is brought through one way, and that's trust. It's faith. We, we need to understand this. We, this has to be at the utmost core of our being because it is the, one of the foundational, fundamental doctrines of Christianity. It's by grace through faith. If, if, we, if we misapply this in the simple thing of salvation, you can take it way off in left field on any other thing that we talk about, prosperity, healing, any of those things. But we have to get this. It's because of what Jesus did. It's because of his perfect life that he died on the cross and was raised again, right? That gives us that opportunity to receive that salvation. Because otherwise, there's no other way. 
We need to meditate on this. Remember I was talking about how we can renew our mind, we can transform our mind. And I'm going to be honest with you. Even if you think you know it, study it more because I want you to know it more. <laughs> right? We, we, it needs to be inside of us. I keep saying that. I'll share a testimony of a... Some of you probably heard this story, but I, I worked in a manufacturing facility where the adults with disabilities did the work and during COVID all of the people that had disabilities were not allowed to come to our facility so we ended up sitting there mindlessly for eight hours a day taking little parts and putting them in a plastic bag and then sealing the bag and putting it in a box I mean I was like losing my mind <laughs> but what it did was there was a gal that I worked with um, at the time I don't work there anymore but she asked me this question because she, she knew I was a minister. She was a believer at one time. I think she'd turned her away from the church and because of some circumstances. But she asked me that question. She goes, well, do you think I'm saved? And I said, I don't know. What do you think? I turned that question right back at her. And you know what? Then she started asking questions. What does it mean? What does this mean? How does this mean? And I was able to minister her what grace is. I mean, I could have said yes or no, and condemned her or not condemned her, one of the two, right? Because honestly, at that time, I had no idea if she was saved or not. Um, it wasn't up to me to, to make that decision, but she eventually asked them questions, and then she had that confidence and said, yeah, I am. I just was misled. I, I believed some things that were said that weren't true, and I, I turned away from God because of some things that were bad that happened in my life. Right? How do I know I'm saved? There's a couple of scriptures that we can use. John 1, 1 John 5, 1 says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who also begot... I read that wrong. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who be is begotten of him. Right? Here's this whole idea. This whole idea of being born of God, being saved. We can use those terms kind of interchangeable. But it's, it's about one thing here. The, the word is believe. Right? It's by grace through faith. But all throughout Scripture you see believe, 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 believe. And really, you know what believe means? To have faith in. <laughs> They're pretty much the same word. Right? Now, faith can take you to a different dimension because the faith is dimensional. I, I guess uh, dim dimensional, is that the right word? There's more to faith than just belief, but belief is faith in a, in a nutshell. It's just that, yes, I believe. I trust this. Be but believe what? Because people believe all kinds of things, right? I've heard many people say, well, I believe in God. But you know what? That doesn't get you to heaven. Actually, I mean, I'm going to say this a little different. I heard a minister say that this week, and it was probably one of the most profound things I've heard in a long time. He says, you don't pray a prayer to get to heaven. You pray a prayer to get heaven in you. <laughs> right? That, that prayer is so that God comes and dwells in you. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, they all come and live inside you. And it's not just about, it's the, the prayer is not the thing. It's all about the heart. We, we understand that. We just, we just say the sinner's prayer because it's easy to say, you know. 
and I believe that the words in there are true, but it's believe. But believe what? Right? I, I, in a long time ago, I had this re- realization that I can talk to anybody in the world about God. Right? Everybody will talk to you about God. Everybody has a God. They believe in something. Even if they're atheists, they've got to believe something. <laughs> right? You can talk to anybody about God. But the key here is to talk about Jesus. Right? Because he's the only way to the one true God. Paul talked about that in, um, I don't remember which book it was, but he says, you guys worship all these gods, but what about this unknown God? This is the God that you should worship. The one that he talked about, Jesus. But we need to believe in Christ. Christ means the, one, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Savior. Right? How do we know? Well, we just talked about it. Do you believe? Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know, we, 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 I talk about this and I've read this many times. It's preached it. But it's the confession part that's the key here. I think, I think it's the key. Um, and I think you can make a case argument for it, and I'm going to try to. I'm going to do it. Um, but it says confession is made unto salvation. Right? So just keep that thought. But it also says to believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead. But let's, so in, in context here, I wanna, I'm, I'm going to skip a couple of verses because it doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about. But in context, that was Romans 10, 9 through 10. But jump down to verse 13. Romans 10, verse 13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hmm. It's interesting. <laughs> you got it, Mary. You stole my thunder, but yes, you are absolutely <laughs> correct. The Bible says whatever's in your heart comes out your mouth. So you confess that Jesus is Lord and that confession is made into salvation, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So if you say, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, it come from your heart because that's what come out your mouth. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> I love it. What's that? She's going to get up here one day. We're going we're gonna to tap her on the shoulder. Oh, yeah, come on. Again, I'm going to go back to this. It says whoever. There's no qualification on this. It's whoever. It's, it doesn't say those that got their stuff together, those guys that are perfect and have all their I's dotted and T's crossed. Because if that's what it said, I'm disqualified. Just going to let you know that. Right? I think every day I, I try to get my stuff a little bit closer together, but sometimes I lose some things on the way. But... Um, if you, if you had it all together, if you had everything that you needed to be righteous in God's eyes, you wouldn't need to be saved. You would, there's no point of salvation if you had it all together. You, you totally deny everything that Jesus did on the cross. If you had all your stuff together, you wouldn't need to be saved. You wouldn't need to be delivered. You wouldn't need to be healed. You wouldn't need to be prospered. You wouldn't need to be protected. You wouldn't need to be made whole. If you had every duck in a row, you wouldn't need any of that because you'd already have it. Sounds like Jesus. <laughs> sure does, doesn't it? <laughs> 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 yeah. 
He's the man. First Corinthians 12, verse 3. First Corinthians 12, verse 3 says, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Here's another key. We can look at this. Am I saved, right? Or Yes, that's where we're at. Am I saved? Did you, did you say that Jesus is Lord? Then who's directed you to say that? According to this scripture, it's the Holy Spirit. It's God. This, and it's funny because you really think about this. This, this scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, is in the, in the chapter where they're talking about all the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Right? Saying Jesus is Lord is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It's God working in you. Think about that for a minute. We can be confident in our salvation, right? If you if you if you are unsure about those questions that I've at, that I talked about, read about this. Re- read about this. Listen to this. Is what I meant to say. I don't know how that got out. What does Philippians one verse six says? He says, "Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you." will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Right? This, is a, this was an eye-opening scripture to me, I guess. But if we confess that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we are saved, and then we step into this place, we need to be confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work, which is Jesus, the Holy Spirit, began this good work in us, that he will complete it. Right, I think we can sidetrack ourselves and fall in the ditch over here and have to get picked back up and do all these things. But we have to be confident that God can do what he said he's going to do. Right? If he said that you're saved, then believe him that you're saved. Stop. Remember, we're talking about this in spiritual warfare. This is a battle in your head that people deal with. And they go back and forth. They're, they're like that ship tossed to and fro in the waves. And they go one way this way and one way that way. We need to stop doing that as a church body but here's, here's I'm, I'm, I'm saying this to help you all, right? But here's what, here's, here's what the Lord really wanted me to highlight in this. We need to have this same mentality about us as we do about others. And that's right, exactly fit into what you talked about. Right? When we go out and we minister to people on the street and they, say, they believe and they confess Jesus as Lord, we need to have these same belief and we need to pray these same prayers, right? That being confident that, this very thing that he who has begun a good work, we need to believe that. When, we, when, when someone gets led to the Lord, we need to pray those prayers over them. We need to soak these things into these people. And we need to believe it. We don't need to say, well, I don't know what's going to happen with, with Joe over there. He just kind of fell off the face of the earth. No, we're going to believe that he who began a good work in him, right? 
we, we know that there's many people that have been here that haven't been here for a long time. And I know they were saved. And I know that, that but God's going to complete that work. Yeah. If God started it, we can be confident that he will finish it. John 6, 37, as I finish here, says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who, who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up in the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up in the last day. Church, we need to get this. We need to understand. We need to believe this. We need to live this. We need to preach this. That salvation is for all. Right? Remember, salvation is so much more than just going to heaven. It's bringing heaven into you. It's bringing healing. It's bringing prosperity. This is our mandate. And the Lord's Prayer says, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our mandate as a body is to go out and preach the gospel, the good news, that Jesus did this for us. Right? And of course, we, we, there's more to the story we can add on to it. As we grow and understand that and we move in different directions in our life and God places us here and does this with us as we follow and lead him, are led by him. But the, the core root of it is, it is that Jesus did it all. He paid it all. He paid the highest price. And he did it out of love. He did it because he, he, he looked past all those things. We read that scripture. He looked at the, the good things. He said, you know what? There may be a flaw here, but there's a gem underneath that. And we're going after that gem, right? I'm going to do as much digging as I have to to release that gem inside of them, right? No matter the cost, right? Even if it costs me everything, he says, it cost me my son. Because we're going on a mining mission, right? I see diamonds and rubies, emeralds. I don't know my gemstones very well. Amethyst, cobalt, I, I don't know. But I want to close this out with the words that were given us in the beginning of the year. And I know we've seen this, um, that it's harvest season. This is everything that we've done, if you, if you methodically look, everything that we've done is to prepare us and to further launch us into that, that season that God has called us in to be. And it's not over. It's actually, I think it's multiplying. It's actually getting greater. I have this sense of, I don't want to say it's, it's not dread, but it's... Uh, it's, it might be worry in my own sense because I have those questions like, well, what, what, what about, well, if this is what God is doing, what are we supposed to, to do? How are we going to make that happen? Who's going to do that? How's this going to happen? Which building are we going to be in? I, I'm going through my head and I'm getting all these things. But it's, I know it's, it's not unhealthy. I'm processing things and God's helping me walk through those things. And I'm not, it's not dread. I, don't, I painted that wrong picture. It's just in my mind, 
I'm going, you know what? I got to renew it back to what God says. We just do what he said. We follow his leading. We, we, we pick up our cross and, and we go whichever direction he has us go, right? Because I, I know God has spoken big things over this ministry. I know he's got a huge mandate. I mean, you heard, I think you only heard part of it today from Vern because I still think it's bigger than what you're talking about. Because God's always a God of increase. But think about a church, a body of people that are able to affect both Minneapolis and... St. Paul. I don't think it's been done yet. I mean, the ones that are there doing their thing, but corporately together, I don't think it's been done. And we're going to believe God for it. We're going to trust and stand. So, If you know a realtor that knows anything about property, let us know. <laughs> and we'll just keep believing God. We're believing for big things because he put big things in our heart.